Thank you for listening to this message from Life in the Sun Christian Fellowship. We hope you'll be inspired to honor God and make disciples. Okay, good morning. My name is Jarrett Gallardo, and um, I'm one of the leaders here at Life in the Sun, and you are at Life in the Sun Christian Fellowship, and um, it is a blessing and a privilege that I have to share the message with you. We're going to be in a three-part series. It's a quick series about discipleship. It's called On a Journey. And today's message is titled, Be One. Be One. And the three-part message, this one's going to be Be One. Next week is going to be Make One. And then the following week after that is going to be Walk With One. Three-part series all about discipleship. And we are going to uh, just embrace what God has for us in the scriptures about discipleship. Is that, is that awesome? Are y'all ready? Because I have a lot of scripture to cover, and, um, and it's before 11 o'clock, so that means we got some time to go over everything, and yes, this is going to be good. But um, before I continue to talk, uh, let's go to the Lord in prayer. Mighty God, we thank you so much for allowing us this opportunity to be here, allowing us this opportunity to hear your word. Um, we've been encouraged already with what we've sung to you. We've been encouraged by the exhortation, Lord, and so now we are ready to receive your scripture. God, would you ready our hearts, Lord, to receive from your word. Father, as kind of what was said in the exhortation, whatever's happened this week, we leave it at the altar, and we come to you with expectant hearts. God, I pray that I would decrease so that you and your word would increase, Lord. Would you ready all those who are going to hear this message and it's in Christ's name we pray. Amen. Amen, guys. Like I said, my name is Jarrett Gallardo. Um, I have a daughter, Kayla, and she wanted me to sing Jesus Loves You. She said, Daddy, you go on stage? I said, yes, baby. She said, can you sing Jesus Loves Me to the people? I said, maybe, but let me go through a couple words. Jesus loves me, this I know, for the Bible tells me so. Okay, I'm going to talk so now I can tell my daughter that, hey, baby, I sung Jesus Loves Me to the people. And so um, I'm Jarrett, and I'm here to share this message with you guys about B1. And so this is going to be interesting um, because disciple, it happens 266 times in the, in the New Testament. Or some variation of that word disciple happens 266 times in the New Testament. So it was only fitting that majority of today's scriptures is going to come from the New Testament, the Gospels, and also from the books of Acts. We're going we're gonna to be in the book of Acts, and so we're going to dissect what it means to be a genuine disciple for Jesus Christ. And within the context of the Great Commission, I want to supply this definition for discipleship. If you can go to the definition of a disciple. It says that a disciple is a person who has trusted in Christ for salvation and has surrendered completely to him. He or she is committed to practicing the spiritual disciplines in community and developing their full potential for Christ and his mission. So that is a definition of discipleship. It's from a book called Disciple Making Is by Dave Early and Rod Dempsey. It's a great book if you uh, want to get a chance to read that book. But think about that. Uh, he or she is practicing spiritual disciplines in community to develop to their full potential for Christ. 
And so we're going to get right into this message. Y'all sit up straight, be ready, be ready to take some notes because we're going to be on a, on a fun journey this morning. Uh, point number one, be one who follows Christ. Be one who follows Christ. And we're going to pull that out of Matthew 4, 18 to 22. If you want to follow along in your Bibles, feel free, but all the scriptures are going to be here up on the screen. So y'all ready? Let's go. Matthew 4, 18 to 22 says this. And as he was walking along the Sea of Galilee, he saw two brothers, Simon, who was called Peter, and his brother Andrew. They were casting a net into the sea since they were fishermen. Follow me, he told them, and I will make you fish for people. Immediately they left their nets and followed him. Going on from there, he saw two other brothers, James, the son of Zebedee, and his brother John. They were in a boat with Zebedee, their father, mending their nets. And he called them. There's that word again. Immediately, they left the boat and their father and followed him. So what's going on here? Let's talk about it. Jesus' command to follow me that we see twice in this passage of Scripture, it was urging those disciples to, hey, join me. But not just join me on like some camping trip or some kind of Boy Scout outing, but join me, emulate my character, follow me as I follow God. So Christ was calling these men out. And so let's look at that. Simon, Peter, and his brother Andrew, they were fishermen. And so were the other two brothers, James and John. And what happened? They left their current situations on the fishing boat with their nets to follow Christ. And if we look back at verse 21, James and John, they actually left their father Zebedee in the boat with like the broken nets because it said that they were mending their nets, so they were putting their nets back together. So when Christ said, follow me, they left dad in the boat with the nets and they followed Jesus. And so this indicates that following Jesus requires disciples to place their commitment to Jesus above even their commitments to their families. And, babe, I love you so much. This is my wife, Liz. She's over here at the front row. And I love Liz. I love my two kiddos, Kayla and Kavika. But if there's ever a time where my wife or my children have gained number one spot in my life, then I have made my wife or my children an idol over Christ. And it's, and it's, you know, it could be easy for us, especially in this culture where family is so important to us. I, I come from a big family, too. Um, not my immediate family. I'm an only child. But my extended family, my mom is Hawaiian. My dad's Mexican. I think my mom has like 81 or 89 first cousins, something like that. So everybody around me is family. So I know what it's like to, to really love your family. And, and family commitments are so important. But, but this, Jesus calling the two brothers, James and John, and they left Zebedee, they left Dad, and they said, Dad, I love you, but I found something so much better. And when Jesus calls, he is calling us to follow him. He's calling us to follow him, and that shows us that, that John and James, when they followed Jesus, they, they properly responded to Christ's call in their life. Does that make sense? All right, let's take a look at Mark chapter 2. Mark chapter 2 13 to 14 says this. Jesus was at a, the seaside again, so 
Then Jesus went out again by the sea. The whole crowd was coming to him, and he taught them. Then, moving on, he saw Levi, the son of Alphaeus, sitting at the tax office, and he said to him, follow me. So he got up and followed him. So what's going on here? So here, Jesus is at the Sea of Galilee, and he's calling someone again. This time he's calling Levi. Levi is another name for Matthew. So he's calling Levi, and he says, Levi, follow me. So what happens? We see that in verse 14 at the end of it. It says, so he got up and followed him. He got up and followed him. And this is amazing, guys, because where was Levi sitting? At the tax office. Yes. So Levi was at the tax office. And in this cultural context, tax collectors were regarded no better than a thief or a Gentile to the Jews. They were regarded no better than a thief or a Gentile. So here we see Jesus going to the tax office and say, hey, you, follow me. And he didn't even think. It's the next words were, and he got up and followed him. So Jesus went to the tax office. Think about this. He didn't go to the seminary and say, hey, you, follow me. He didn't go into the hospital and say, hey, you, doctor, you, you, nurse, you, follow me. He didn't go into the universities and say, hey, you, 4.0 students over here at UOG, follow me. Or he didn't say, hey, you, business owner, follow me. But he said to the tax office, to the tax collector, Levi, hey, you, bro, follow me. And Levi got up and followed him. And the implications of that are huge, guys. This means, this means that we don't have to be somebody amazing for Christ to, to call us out. Does that make sense? Like, Jesus called the tax collector. He called the fisherman. He didn't call the seminarian and the lawyer and the business owner. No, he called the tax collector, the one that was regarded no better than a thief. So do we have any tax collectors or thieves in the building, please? I'm just kidding. No, but hey, for real though, um, you can see me after service. We'll pray through this, and, uh, and God is going to get the glory. But in all seriousness, guys, we don't have to be anybody great to be called or used by God. Does that make sense? Yes. All right. Man, I, I love you guys. You guys are like right there. Yes. All right. Levi's response to Jesus was immediate. And here's the deal. With this message that I've titled, Be One, and in this point, Be One Who Follows Christ, when we look at the text, when we saw in Matthew 4 and in Mark chapter 2, the text is not interested in some fancy explanation about how these men rationalized what they were going to do when they were called. The text just says, immediately they followed Christ. The text doesn't say they contemplated uh, how they were going to feed their family. Uh, they contemplated what they were going to tell their boss. No, the text says When Christ calls us, right after that, we see an action, a response to that. And that action and that response is, hey, woman, hey, man, get up and follow me. Does that make sense? Yeah. All right. Dietrich Bonhoeffer, German theologian, says this. Nothing, he's talking about the call. Nothing precedes it 
and nothing follows except the obedience of the called. Jesus calls to discipleship not as a teacher, not as a role model, but as the Christ, as the Son of God. And so it's who Christ is that demands our response. His deity, him being the God-man calling us out, that is what demands a response from us. We're not following for reward. We are not following for reward. We are not following to make our circumstances better. We're not following because of tradition. Oh, my grandma went to this church for 20 years, so I'm going to follow Jesus just like her. No, man, we're not following out of tradition. We are following because of who Jesus is. He is the God-man. And when he calls us, we listen, guys. It's not to make our circumstances better. It's not to, to, to better our social status. It's not out of tradition that we are following Jesus. But when we are called, we are following him because he is God. Does that make sense, y'all? Yes. All right. I'm going to give you an example of how not to be like Jarrett, where I did not follow Christ in this period of my life, and what instead I followed materialism. Check it out. Okay, so this is not a good example, so don't be like Jarrett. Do you see this ca these cars over here? Does anybody know what kind of cars these are? Shout it out if you do. Alero! Holy moly! V-Spell in the building, man. He knows what an Alero is. Okay. Okay, guys, I was messed up for a few years of my life, and I made an idol out of this thing instead of following Christ. None of these are my vehicle, by the way. I, I was having <laughs> difficulties looking for my Alero. But, but you see, this? I had that same body kit right there, and I didn't have rims as big as those, but they were a little bling-blow. And then my color, was a, it was a gray color, and it was like color-changing. Man, I was, I was, I was not good, y'all. I was spending my every waking moment fantasizing about this car, wanting to be a wannabe racer, wannabe lowrider, like, thinking that I had, I had fancy lights, I had, I had uh, you know, I had engine modifications, I had um, um, tint, of uh, 215s, boom in the trunk. One lady told me, you're making my pacemaker skip. I mean, it was crazy. It was crazy, and it was not healthy. And um, I felt some kind of way when I was driving down the road behind this vehicle. And it consumed me. And I really found identity like, man, look at my, look at my rims chopped. Like, look how bling they is. Man, I tell you, yo, I was messed up. And so the story is don't be like Jared. Be like Jesus. And um, man, I'm telling you, I had this Alero, but I tell you in, in an instant, Slowly, it just started to deteriorate after I spent all of my, my, I was in college and high school at the time, so I didn't have a lot of money, but all of the money that I thought I had was a lot that I was trying to put into this vehicle. God was taking it away. So uh, one snowy, icy time in Alaska, I see somebody, like, they're like going like this. Has anybody ever driven on black ice? Did... Okay, about a third of us. And if you haven't seen black ice, just think about Hafaloha's ice cone on the street, and then you're like slipping. Okay, so I'm at the stoplight, and there's a I'm here, and I see this car like, oh man, he's not gonna stop. Oh no, he's not stopping. Oh, the light's still red, and I can't go forward anymore, and then here, boop. And it's like, oh man, he hit my car, oh man. And so 
so then just from that thing, it just started getting worse. I think I banged a snowbank, and then um, one time, it, it was the summertime, these three people tried to hijack our car right in front of our house. We found them in the bushes, and it wasn't good for them, but that was a different story. Um, so all that to say, this material things can be gone in an instant, and I think the last song talked about how it just burns to ash, that, that last song that we sung. I was like, man, look at this. We're singing the lyrics right here to what I'm about to, what I'm about to speak. And so uh, B1 requires us to follow after Christ, not follow after materialism, not follow, not try to find our identity in a relationship or, or in a person. Or, so I'm like, I liked it when we sung, uh, uh, when we changed the lyrics to that last song, that no one else, no one else will do. I was like, man, God, look at you, man. You're speaking already through the, through, the, through the worship. Man, this is cool. So I'm telling you guys, don't be, don't be like this. Um, but I'm not knocking car enthusiasts. I'm telling you, I love cars. I love motorcycles. I drive a motorcycle. But, but just don't let it consume us. Because what I said about my wife, remember, and my children, if we make anything take God's number one spot, then we've already created an idol. And so it's our job to constantly think, okay, God, what? Wh what's going on in my life? What, what, what's going on? What needs to change? And so we're not just stuck in our ways, but we're like moldable clay. Does that make sense? All right. Point number one was be one who follows Christ. Point number two is be one who continues in the word. John 8, 30 and 32 says this. It's on the screen. John 8, 30 and 32 says as he was saying these things, many believed him. This is Jesus. So Jesus said to the Jews who had believed him, if you continue in my word, you really are my disciples. You will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. Look at verse 31. If you continue in my word, you really are my disciples. That's why point number two is be one who continues in the word. So what's going on here in John? What's happening is people are coming to Christ, people are believing Jesus for salvation, and he's, he's down and he's preaching and he says, guys, if you are really my disciple, a genuine disciple of Jesus, we'll hold fast to my teaching, we'll hold fast to my scriptures, we'll hold fast to what I'm saying. And it doesn't just go in, in one ear and out the other, but it's internalized, it's, it's, it's grasped. And so that Greek word, to hold on to my teaching or to continue is the Greek word to hold, mean meno. It means to abide or to remain, to abide or to remain. And so here we see that a genuine believer in Jesus will remain or meno in the logos, in the word, in the scripture of Christ, in his teachings, that, that we obey it, that we seek to understand it because through the scriptures we can seek to understand and grasp the heart of God. And so, this is us continuing in the Word. The, this, is why, this is why, you know, when, we, when, the, when the MC comes up and they're talking about Purple Book class or Victory Weekend class, this is why these things exist. So that a, to be one would continue in the Word. This is why one-to-one -one happens. This is why Purple Book happens. This is why, you know, Leadership 215, Discipleship, community classes, this is why, you know, in, in the past, ENLI, this is why all of these things are happening, because the leadership here at Life in the Sun understand the importance of discipleship, 
and understand the importance of getting in the Word. We understand that importance. And we understand the importance to meno or to abide in the teachings of Christ and His Scripture. Does that make sense? Word. All right. Verse number 32. Check that out. You will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. So what is Christ talking about here? That when we come to the knowledge of Jesus Christ by the truth of his scripture, that we are set free. But not just from some intellectual uh, agreement with what God, okay, I understand that intellectually, but when we grasp that in our heart, that's when we're set free. Set free from what? I'm glad you asked. Set free, if you go down in verse 34, if you're following, set free from sin. Set free from the bondage and slavery of sin, it says in verse 34. That that slavery of sin is broken. And so this is how, we, when we read this, that you will know the truth and the truth will set you free, it makes sense. Because in the context of the bondage and the slavery to sin, those chains are broken. Those chains are broken. When, when we what? In verse 31, when we continue in the word, when we understand his truth, and so that's the importance. So the bondage of sin is broken by Christ's power, but how? By abiding in his word. By abiding in his word. By, by, by staying in his word. By getting in his word. By getting it inside of us. And not just some intellectual transformation or, or intellectual thought like, okay, yeah, I get that. No, but, but just a total transformation of the heart. We are new create, creature, creatures. Oh, that's a new word. We are new creations. We are new creatures, amen? And it's not just an intellectual teaching, guys. We are, we are molded. It changes our thoughts. It changes our desires. It changes what we look at when we get into the Word. Check out Acts 2, 41 and 42. Acts 2, 41 and 42 says this. So those who accepted his message were baptized, and about that day, 3,000 people were added to them. This is going to be... Um, next Sunday at the Guahan Festival of Hope. I'm just saying, it's maybe even more. Who knows? God is going to do amazing things. Okay, so that day, 3,000 people were added to them. 42 says, and they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching, to the fellowship, to the breaking of the bread, and to prayers. What is the first thing on that list that the new disciples devoted themselves to? The apostles' teaching. They devoted, they devoted themselves to teaching to Scripture, to, to getting in the Word, to understanding who is this God that they are following. When we open up the Bible, we are devoting ourselves to the apostles' teaching, what they spoke about, what the Scriptures say about who God is. And so that is us devoting ourselves to the apostles' teaching. So here, these brand new believers, the first thing that it says in that list, that they it could have been written in any order. Food could have been first. Breaking of the bread could have been number one. But number one was they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching. And in, in my head, it being first on the list, just, hey, this must be important if they put it number one. Make sense? Word. Check it out. The psalmist gets it right in Psalms 1-2. He says this, and I love this. This is the first book of Psalms. First book, second verse. It says, instead... His delight is in the Lord's instruction, and he meditates on it day and night. Instead, his delight is in the Lord's instruction. Man, even the psalmist in the Old Testament knew that the only way, place where he was going to get delight for his soul 
was in the Lord's instruction, was in his teaching, was in the word. And so check it out. Not that he meditates on Facebook day and night. <laughs> Not that he meditates on YouTube, Jarrett, day and night. Not that he meditates on Disney Plus or Netflix day and night. But what does he meditate on? The Lord's instruction, the Lord's teaching, the law, day and night. Does that make sense? Check it out. We've got a, a, an amazing example. But before we get there, I want you to know that the Word of God is living and active, and it has the power to transform our minds, guys. When, when we get into it day and night, it's not just getting into it. Just, you know, we have a Bible reading plan, and just to check a box, that's, that's not what it's for. We are getting into the Scripture to allow it to transform and change us. Change us. And so, if you guys could do a favor for me and take out your phones. Everybody take out your phone and hold it up and unlock it. Okay? Okay, if it's unlocked, then go to the settings tab. If you have an Android or if you have an Apple, go to the settings tab. Hit that little thing that looks like a cog on the top. So if you have a phone, scroll down. Click the little settings. If you're an Android user, can you go to the next slide? Look for digital well-being. Digital well-being. And if you're an Apple user, then look for this. Once you hit that button that looks like a cog, look for screen time. Look for screen. Help your neighbor if they can't find it. Okay. I see a couple people with it. All right. So, isn't this amazing? I just found out about this like a week or two ago. Okay, so click the cog on the top of your phone. Scroll down. Find the settings. Scroll until you see if you're an Android user, digital well-being, or if you're an Apple user, screen time. You should see something that looks like this. And so what this is showing us is where we are spending our time day and night. This is not a screenshot of mine. Mine would say YouTube. But look, I mean, look on your phone. How many hours? Is it surprising how many hours you've actually spent on social media, on Snapchat, on Facebook, on YouTube, on on whatever, on instant messaging, whatever it is. Is that, is that surprising to you? How many of you never knew about that feature in your phone? Raise your hand. Okay, about a fifth of us never knew that. Yeah, me neither. I never knew that. So the amazing thing about this, guys, is that we have the ability to change that. And so like the psalmist said, that he meditated on the Lord's instruction day and night, we have the ability to change that. Now we know where we stand. Now we know where our digital well-being is or where our screen time is. We know what we can change. So we got, a, we got a base. So, you know, in a month from now, when the speaker is coming up here and you remember, oh, let me check my screen time. Check out, check out in a month. Make a goal and see if you can spend more time in Scripture than the highest thing that you have on there. If it shows one hour and 30 minutes on Netflix or one hour and 30 minutes on Facebook, then see if you can reverse that to meditate on the Lord's instruction day and night. Make sense? All right. Point number three. Point number two was be one who continues in the word. And point number three is be one who leaves it all behind. Leaves it all behind. We're going to be in Luke 9. Luke chapter 9, 57 to 62 
going to be on the screen, so let's read it. It says, As they were traveling on the road, someone said to him, I will follow you wherever you go. Jesus told him, Foxes have dens, and birds of the sky have nests, but the Son of Man has no place to lay his head. And then he said to another, Follow me. Lord, he said, First, let me go bury my father. But he told him, Let the dead bury the dead, but you go and spread the news of the kingdom of God. The third guy, another, said, I will follow you, Lord, but first let me go say goodbye to those at my house. And Jesus said to him, No one put, who puts his hand to the plow is fit for the kingdom of God. What's going on here? Let's check it out. Here we see this first disciple in verses 57 and 58 of Luke 9. This disciple took the initiative to follow Jesus. Because if you see, nowhere in those two verses does it say that he was called. It doesn't say he was called. But this disciple took the initiative. He wasn't even called. He was so enthusiastic hearing about Jesus that he's, he's like, man, I'm just going to go follow. Everybody else is following. I'm going to follow too. And so he, that's very admirable, right? He, he took the initiative to follow Christ. But, but God saw the motives of his heart. Because this man really, he did not count the cost to follow Jesus. So he's saying, hey, it's, it's very admirable that you want to follow me. Foxes have a den to go to. The birds, that they have a nest. But we don't even have a place to, I don't have a place to put my head. Like, have you considered what it's going to take to follow me. Have you counted the cost, bro? And he's asking him. That's why he responded with, with that parable saying about the foxes and about the birds because he's saying, man, this is really admirable that you want to follow me, but have you considered the cost first? Have we considered the cost? Check it out in verse 59 and 60, guys. Luke 9, 59 and 60, the second guy. He calls the second one because it says, then Jesus said to him, follow me. But what happened? He said, hey, Lord, I have to go bury my father. So there were certain Jewish burial rites and burial customs that they had, uh, you know, that, they, that the law required them to do. And so here we see this man telling Jesus, hey, I have to go bury my dad. Scripture isn't really clear if the father had already passed away or if he was about to pass away. But regardless, the man told Jesus, hey, I have to go do something. I'm not ready to follow you right now. But the point is that we need to follow Christ on Christ's terms and not our own. Christ's terms, guys, not our own. And this is huge. This is huge because there can't be circumstances that get in the way between us following Jesus once we're called. It can't be a bunch of if-then statements that we give Christ, like, Jesus, I will follow you first, but God, I have to do this, but. So God is saying, hey, you want to follow me, that's good, but, but there can't be circumstances that get in the way between you and I. Does that make sense? Check out the third guy. In verses 61 and 62, 61 and 62, it says, I will follow you, Lord, but first let me go and say goodbye to those people who are at my house. And so this guy is kind of like a combination of the first and second guy. He kind of understands discipleship, but he is he's saying, hey, God, I need to go do something first. And so he doesn't understand all of the terms of discipleship. 
And so what he's telling Jesus is, Jesus, I am setting the terms for discipleship. Here are the terms that I'm giving you to operate in. But we can't set the boundaries for Christ. When Christ says, hey, follow me, we, we, we're not to say like, oh God, I got to go do this thing first. I got to graduate college first or I got to get married before I can wholeheartedly follow you. We don't set the boundaries for Christ. Guys, God is sovereign. We are not. When we set the boundaries for Christ, we limit Jesus and we say, God, I know you've called me and I know you want me to follow you, but it's only within this time frame or within this context that I'm going to allow you to operate. And so then we limit God and we, we begin to put restrictions on God. And that's not what God is, is calling us to. He's calling us. When we are called, then, then like this, in complete surrender, we say, Jesus, you have all of me. No circumstance is going to get in the way. No timeline is going to get in the way. Jesus, right now, you have all of me. Does that make sense, y'all? All right. A true mark of a disciple, guys, is someone who leaves it all behind without setting those boundaries for Christ. And so, Matthew 7.20, when we put all this together, it says that we will be recognized by our fruit. That you will recognize a genuine disciple by their fruit. And, and that is a, an outward expression of who we are in word, in deed, in thought, that being a follower of Christ consumes us to the point where, where our actions, where our thought life is fruitful for God and his kingdom. And so, let me read this, that, that a genuine disciple of Christ, that a real Christian is radically changed. Say radically changed. We are radically changed by the gospel. Not just intellectually, not just a thought like, oh yeah, I know Jesus, they talk about him every Sunday. But no, we are radically changed to the point where it consumes every, every part of our being. And, and you know, it's, these people who are radically changed and we are radically changed, we've usually experienced a, a new birth. We've gotten a new heart. That stony heart is gone and the heart of flesh is here. And we're even given new desires. You know, the, the Oldsmobile Alero no longer consumes us any longer. And we're all together new people who just live new lives in a new community, and we are just so radically changed by the gospel that, it, that it, just, it just oozes out of us, that who we are. When we walk in the workplace, we, 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 the, the spirit of God that's on us demands a change in the atmosphere because of who we are. It, it comes outside, and it, and it infects and changes the atmosphere around us. That's the power that we have inside of us, y'all, that when we go somewhere, we change the atmosphere for Christ because we are his children. As a genuine disciple of Jesus, it, it flows out of us. This is our fruit that, that flows out of us, guys. Does that make sense? All right. Authentic faith. Authentic faith is both seen, it's heard, and it's even felt by others. They can feel it around us. So let's pull up that definition of, of disciple again. And this is what a definition of disciple is. Hopefully it makes sense now. That a disciple is a person who has trusted Christ for salvation, has surrendered completely to him. He or she is committed to practicing spiritual disciplines in community. That's important. 
and developing to their full potential for Christ and his mission. Developing the full potential for Christ and his mission. We're going to reflect and we're going to recap. Um, I don't think we have time to sing, but Chloe, if you're here, can you come up on the keys? Word. So let's recap. And I want us to take this time and think. <clears throat> think about this message and the implications that it has as us as disciples. And this is where we can apply it to our lives. Point number one was be one who follows Christ. Think about this, guys. What are we chasing after? What are your desires? Don't be like Jared. Be like Jesus. Don't be like that Oldsmobile Alero that something is consuming you where we've brought it to the point where it takes number one position over God. And if it is, man, this is our time to repent. This is our time to say, God, hey, something has creeped in the way and I'm not wholly following after you. Think about the second point. Be one who continues in the word. What is consuming our time? Where like the psalmist says, we meditate on his instruction day and night, not on Facebook day and night or not on YouTube day and night. Guys, think about that. What is consuming your thoughts day and night? Is it a worry? And maybe it's not even nothing on your phone. Maybe it's what's consuming me is how am I going to get my bills paid? Where am I going to lay my head? God, am I ever going to get married? What's consuming you? Don't let that need identify who you are, but find your identity in Jesus. And point number three that we looked at was be one, guys, who leaves it all behind. Who leaves it all behind. Not trying to clench on to something over here while trying to hold on to Christ. That's just going to rip us apart. But be one who leaves it all behind. All of it. Are we setting the terms for discipleship? Jesus, I want to follow you, but only in this context. Let me go say bye to those in my household. Let me go bury my father. Are we setting the timeline for God? If so, guys, let's repent this morning. Let's change it. This is about being one, being a genuine follower of Jesus. And so if this message struck a chord on your heart, and if any of, in this capacity, where we have uh, mistaken our identity in Christ, where something may have creeped as God's number one position, or maybe we have not left it all behind, then this is our opportunity to say, God, I come to you now, and I'm going to give it all to you. And so if that's you, simple sign of surrender. If it's you, just go like this, and we're going to get it right under the blood of Jesus. If there's something in, in your heart that says, God, I'm not quite there, and I've got some work to do. Something's crept in the way. These are my own circumstances that I've gave you. A simple going like this, and we're going to repent it Get it under the blood of Jesus Christ. Awesome. This is the universal sign of surrender. It's like this. And it's so amazing when we surrender to his will. We're going to go to God in prayer. And, and this is really talking to the almighty creator of heaven and earth. The veil has been broken and he allows us to come to him 
and boldness. So guys, in the openness of your heart and as your arms are stretched forward and surrender to him, I'm going to pray over us. And let's receive that, y'all. Let's receive it so that we are being genuine disciples of Jesus. Let's go to him, guys. Father, you see with outstretched arms, God, stuff has gotten in the way. We've put terms, God, on, on what it is to be a disciple. In fact, we've put our own label on what it is to be a disciple. And God, right now, with these outstretched arms, we repent. We turn away from what we've labeled a disciple, Jesus. And we give you full reign to change us. God, we are like Plato right now all around this room. Like Plato. And we're asking you, God, to mold us and shape us and break us. Take away stony hearts. Give us a heart of flesh. Mold us, God. Something's going to happen in a week from now where all across Guam, the gospel message is going to go out. And we need to be people who are ready to receive, God. So God, with outstretched arms, we surrender. We surrender our will, our passions, our desires, Jesus, to you. Right now, God, would you have full reign in our lives, Christ Jesus. We ask these things in the authoritative name of Jesus, who is the Christ. And all God's people said, amen. Amen.